This week's parsha is Parshas Emmer. And in the middle of Parshas Emmer, there is a discussion of the matanis that are given to the Aniim, specifically Leket and Peya. These are different types of agricultural obligations. When a farmer has a, a field, he's supposed to leave Peya, he's supposed to leave a corner of the field over for the Aniim. He's supposed to uh, allow Leket, uh, things that were dropped in the process of, uh, of gathering the, uh, the bundles and the wheat. And then there's also another mitzvah. It happens to not be mentioned in this week's parsha. It's mentioned in Parsha's Kiseitse, and that's the mitzvah of shikha. Shikha is something that normally goes together. Like you say, leket, shikha, and peya in one, in one breath. Because it's one of the, also the matnas aniyim, and that's an unusual mitzvah, which involves forgetting that when a person is gathering his wheat, his bundles, and he forgets in the field a certain amount of, of wheat that's either in a bundle or it's an individual grain that was forgotten to be cut, and then you come home and you say, oh, I forgot that out in the field, the Torah says, don't go back and get it. Once you have forgotten it in the field, you have to leave it there for the Aniyim to gather. And this is a very unusual, very rare mitzvah that the Tesefta speaks about. There's a Tesefta in Mesechah's Peah that tells a story about a man who told his son to make a, an elaborate tzudas haidah, to make a very big kiddush, and have very great food at this kiddush. It says to bring a parla oila and a parla shlamim, go and sacrifice very big uh, animals in order to give gratitude to the Rabbeinu Shalom. So the son says, what's the great simcha? What are you making this kiddush about? So he said... Well, I forgot something out in the field, and I was mekayim today, the mitzvah of shikha. So the son said, no, you do a lot of mitzvahs. You're a very uh, righteous man. What, why, are, why is this so special? So the person said, Kal mitzvah All of the mitzvahs in the Torah, Kedush Baruch gave with our knowledge. Meaning, if I put on tefillin this morning, it's because I had pure kavana to go, take my tefillin, bring them to yeshiva, put them on. That's the mitzvah. If I do it, great. If I don't do it, I'm not being a proper Jew. There's one mitzvah in the Torah that is done the opposite. That it's when I forget to do something, I accomplish a mitzvah. And that is the mitzvah of shikha. It's something that if I would think in the back of my mind even, you know what, I'm going to forget that bundle out in the field to get that mitzvah, you wouldn't get the mitzvah. That's not the mitzvah of shikha. The mitzvah of shikha is specifically forgetting something. When you forget it, you have accomplished the mitzvah. Fascinating mitzvah. He says, She'ilu asina adenu. Had I had kavana to forget it, that would not be the mitzvah. The mitzvah specifically, when you forget something, you forget to do a mitzvah. Imagine if I tell you you get a mitzvah if you forget to daven this morning. 
So you'd have to, just not davening is not the mitzvah. Forgetting to daven, that's the mitzvah. Imagine such a, that's the mitzvah of shikha. Mitzvah of shikha is, if you forget to leave, to, to gather that grain in the field or that bundle of grain, now you got your mitzvah. Leave it for the aniyam, but the mitzvah comes beschadas. The mitzvah comes without any forethought. If there's forethought, you lost the mitzvah. And what we see from this, Rabbi Sai, is that sometimes forgetting is actually a mitzvah. The Chayvah Salvavis in the Sharha Bechina, Parakei, says exactly this. He says that sometimes forgetting is a wonderful thing. We don't like to forget things. If we forget our learning, the Mishnah says, you have to chazer, you have to remember your learning. We want to remember everything. We want to be able to remember as much as we can remember. It's a, it's a wonderful blessing to be able to remember things. But sometimes the Chavis says it's actually a blessing to forget. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives this concept of shikha in the world, not just in the mitzvah for a farmer, but there's a mitzvah sometimes in the global universe to sometimes be able to forget. And the Chavis always says that it's such a wonderful thing sometimes, this ability to forget. Because if not for this ability to forget, we would never be happy. We would never find happiness in our life because we're all maybe scarred from a loss of somebody, maybe a, a parent, maybe a grandparent, maybe a friend, and or maybe somebody went through a really bad experience, uh, you know, a sickness, an accident, something tragic in their life. If not for the blessing of shikha, if not for the ability that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us to forget our life would constantly be haunted by those memories. So the Chavis Lavi says that without shikha we would never be happy. A person would be depressed their entire life. The reason why a person could be resilient and could bounce back and to be able to laugh again after suffering a terrible blow is only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has touched him with the ability to forget. So sometimes shikha is actually a mitzvah. We normally very much cherish our memory. We don't like forgetting, but sometimes forgetfulness is actually a good thing. There's a Gemara in Erevin, and the Gemara says that there was a great teacher in Kal Yisrael. His name is Rav Preda. And Rav Preda was such a Rebbe par excellence, he had infinite patience with his Talmud. There was one Talmud who was very, very slow in being able to grasp the Gemara that they were learning together. So normally, you know, you teach a Talmud once. If he doesn't get it, he comes over to you after Shear and you, you, know, you explain it to him again maybe a third time, but that's it. After that, normally a rabbi says, okay, enough, go to the next book. Yeah, again, you, didn't, you missed it, you missed it. Rav Preda was such a wonderful rabbi that he had a Talmud who he taught for 
hundred times. He hazard the same Gemara again and again and again four hundred times. One day the Gemara says, this Talmud, who was very hard to, uh, of understanding, uh, he was sitting by a Preda learning, and they were maybe up to the 245th time, and somebody came into Rapreda's classroom and said, Rebbe, we have a, a Dvar Mitzvah we have to do. There's a Mace Mitzvah, something we got to run, we got to do. He says, no, 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 I'm in the middle of teaching the Talmud. I'm almost done. At the end of the 4400th time, the Talmud said, Rebbe, I didn't get it. He said, what do you mean? You always get it after 400 times. That's, the, that, that's, that's our system. We do it 400 times, then you hop it. He says, yeah, but today was different. Because today... Those rabbis came in and they had this whole, you know, mission to do with you. And as soon as they came in, I sort of got very startled. I was very unsettled. I thought that you were going to be leaving at any given moment. You were about to fly off the edge of your seat. And so I wasn't, I didn't have menucha sanefesh. So would you mind teaching it to me another 400 times? And Rekreda did. He started down. He sat down again. He says, "Don't worry about them. I'm going. I'm not leaving here until we go through it 400 times." And he went through it another 400 times because he kept forgetting and forgetting and forgetting. And finally, after 400 times, he remembered. The Gemara says that a Basco came down from Shemayim and asked Rapreda. He said, "I'll give you a choice. Either in this chus that you taught it another 400 times." I will give you a, another 400 years to live, or you and your entire generation will be zeichet to get into Gan Eden, get, get Elam Abba. Repreda, being the tzaddik that he was, said, okay, I don't need 400 years extra. I'd rather have the entire generation get into Elam Abba. And the Baskal said, I'll give you both. You're going to get an extra 400 years plus the entire generation and yourself will get an entire that's exactly what happened you know Chaim Shmulevitz used to say about this Gemara that everybody extols the virtues of Repreda whenever you want to give a you know a, a Mila you want to speak nicely about about a Rebbe you know you, you compare him to Repreda he was a very diligent very uh, caring and patient Rebbe he's a Repreda Repreda was Gavaldic, and he was. You can't take anything away from Repreda. But Reb Chaim says, I'm much more impressed by the Talmud. This Talmud, Nebuch, he had such a shvacha cup. He had such a weak mind. And yet he had the patience to be able to sit and listen 400 times. That's unbelievable. Isn't that a, a tremendous maila in the Talmud? No one talks about this Talmud. This Talmud was at Tzadik Yisraelim. Repreda was a Rebbe, so that's his job. He gave over Shir 400 times. I always say, you know, about Dafyemi, that if I wasn't giving a Dafyemi Shir, I would never be able to attend a Dafyemi Shir. All the credit goes to the people that come, because it's, it's, it's sort of easy to give a Dafyemi Shir, because at least you're, you're active, you're giving something, you're awake, but you wake up early in the morning or late at night and you have to sit and listen to somebody else give a Shir, it's hard. Repreda was Repreda, he was giving it, but a Talmud had to listen again and again and again. I, I can't, I, again, again, Nachamo. 400 times, 800 times, that's unbelievable. And when a person has a, a, a head that sometimes is very hard to grasp, he has shikha, 
His mind is not photographic. His, his, he's, he has to really work very hard to retain what he learned. That's a tremendous Milo. Kashikha is a mitzvah. If you look in Rav Pam's Sefer on Atar Lamelech, just Lamaramak, I'm not going to get into it. But if you want to see it, it's on page Kuf Tzadivav. And he gives like a Tanchumen al Shikha He says very similar to this that we just said about a Shalom Zachar. You know, Shalom Zachar is that the baby, everyone comes and it's sort of a Suda that's made on Friday night of the first week that a baby is born. And it sort of is, is uh, it's, it could be interpreted as like an Avelos for the fact that the baby learned in the mother's stomach all of Tyra and now it's forgotten. And her palm sort of says in a way how it's a Mila, how forgetting the Tyra is a Mila because now you have the ability to relearn it and, and, and to really work hard at that is a Simcha. It's a tanchumen. It's a, it's sort of like a. Uh, there's a lot of consolation. If a person does not have a mind that's that can absorb everything, don't look at yourself as being inferior. It's a. It's an advantage in a way. It's a tremendous blessing that you have the ability to learn, and and if you can't retain it, you learn it again and again and again. Every single time you learn it, and you struggle with it, Hakadosh gives you tremendous reward perhaps greater reward than people that are able to retain everything immediately. There's shikha also when it comes to bein adam l'chaveren. When it comes to interpersonal relationships, there's also a mitzvah to forget. A lot of times we have issues with people. People wronged us. It could be a parent, it could be a Rebbe, it could be a friend. And it's a very hard thing when you experience that, very hard to forgive and forget. If anyone's ever been slighted by somebody or been hurt by somebody, we know that it's very hard to actually get over it. And as much as people say, get over it, forget about it, it's very difficult. But shikha is a tremendous blessing when it comes to dealing with other people and how they may have wronged us. How it's important to forget at one point what they did and say, okay, let's let bygones be bygones. There's a great Maisa with Ramesha Feinstein. Ramesha Feinstein was the Gadladar, and he was asked very often to adjudicate certain Dine Mominis, to be a Dayan in Dine Mominis. So there was a, a case involving Reuven and Shimon, and Reuven... In the end, Ramesha Paskin, that Ruvain has to pay Shimon $1,000. And Ruvain was livid. He didn't want to give Shimon $1,000, and he spoke this over with a, with a friend of his who was a young Kailal Avrech. And the Kailal Avrech, the chutzpah that he had, he called Ramesha, and he told him the reason why he feels that this din is not, is not the right din and how it should be completely scrapped all the, the Pesach of Ramesha doesn't apply for whatever reason. And this 25-year-old Kaila guy is calling the Gadladah, the Reish Kabbalah Gaila, and telling him why he feels that the din was wrong and that it should be, uh, and that Reuben should not give Shimon the money. And this was a, a terrible, terrible breach of Derech Eretz, of course. And, and that was it. It was basically Ramesha told him very gently how 
I'm right and you're wrong and that Reuven has to give Shimon the money right away. Fast forward six months later and this same Avrich, this Kyle guy who had the chutzpah to call Rav Meisha about that issue, he came to Rav Meisha for a Kabbalah in Shechita. He wanted to be a Sheikhid. He had to be tested and he asked Rav Meisha, could you test me and give me a Kabbalah in Shechita, which Rav Meisha did. He tested him, he saw that he knew his stuff and he wrote out a Kabbalah that he could be a Sheikhid. Now, Rav Gifter happened to be in the apartment. The Rashiva of Tells, I don't know what he was doing by Ramesh's apartment at that time, but he was in the apartment, and he happened to also know this story with this Avrech, that this Avrech was the same guy who had the chutzpah to call Ramesh and to question his, his psak halacha. So Rav Gifter says, I don't understand. This Avrech was such a chutzpah He insulted the Rosh Hashiva so greatly how could you be able to now write him out a, a Ksav Kabbalah for Shrita? So Ramesha looks at him, Erev Gifter, and says, how is that relevant? He says, Yom Kippur already passed in the meantime. Over the last half a year, we went through a Yom Kippur. I davened Tfilah Zaka, and in Tfilah Zaka, I said that I forgive anyone who has sinned against me. And I meant it. That wasn't uh, wasn't child's play. What I said by Tilasak, I meant. I wasn't just davening it up. I actually meant that anyone that wronged me, I'm Michael. Plus, he said, this this person, the stomach, did tshuva already himself. He went through him Kippur too. He probably did tshuva. So I should remember, I should retain in my mind, you know, a taina against him, that when I pull up his file in my brain, it has a big X across it, and and... and and I should, you know, I should assassinate him every single time I think of him because he did something six months ago. We went through him, Kippur. It's time to forgive and forget. That's shikha. Rabbi Meisha had the greatest zikaran in the world. But when it's time to forget, there's a mitzvah of shikha. There's a mitzvah sometimes to forget about what people do to us. It's the hardest mitzvah in the world. Because we like carrying, we don't like it, but it's inevitable that if somebody wronged us, we retain that, we seethe, we're angry, we, you know, we, we're resentful. Sometimes people live their entire lives and they can't let go. They have a taina against their third grade Rebbe and they have a taina against their parents, they have a taina against their great uncle and, you know, who did this and that and they mamish have to go through therapy their entire life. They can't let go of that. There's a time to remember things and there's a time to forget things. And there comes a point in a person's life they have to say, okay, it's true, the person wronged me, but let's move on. It's time to forgive and forget. There's a great Misa with a, uh, two Hasidus, two Hasidic courts that were at odds with each other. The Imamish were fighting generationally, not just now, but generationally. There was a, a multi-generation fight between two sects of Hasidim. And, you know, sort of like uh, in, in down south, there's the Hatfields and McCoys, like two famous 
legendary families that have been fighting for hundreds of years. No one even remembers how these two families began to fight against each other. They just know the Messiah that they can't marry each other, they can't do business with each other. When they pass by each other on the street, they have to ignore each other. That's sort of how these two Hasidusin were. And for generation upon generation, they never had anything to do with each other. And then when the old Rebbe died in one of these chains of Hasidus, the new Rebbe became crowned as Rebbe. And the first order of business that he did, he called or he went over to the other, the other Rebbe and the other camp, and he said, I want to make shalom with you. I want to make peace. And he extended the olive branch, and they talked made shalom. And his chassidim got very upset. This is what you do? This is like part of our Messiah. We fight with these people. Like, what are you doing? How can you, how can you possibly go against the Messiah of your, your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, and suddenly breach with tradition and, 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 uh, and, and make peace with them? So the Rebbe answered so beautifully. He said, you know, he says, my, you're, you're comparing me to my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my father. He says, I don't have their kedusha. I don't have their holiness. I don't have their Yerushamayim. I don't have their Taira. I should have their Machlekes. It's time to forget. Sometimes you have to just bury the hatchet and forget. It's very hard to do. I'm not saying that I have perfected this. I, I haven't. But in a perfect world, this is our mitzvah of shikha. This is our mitzvah of shikha. People sometimes wrong us tremendously. But for our own sake, it's important to forget. By being angry with other people, they're generally, they, they couldn't care less. The people that you're angry with, they're going on about their life in a happy way. They're doing their thing. When, you're, when you have tainus on somebody else, you're the one that suffers. And so the mitzvah of shikha is really a, a personal mitzvah. It's not just that, okay, now I'm a tzaddik because I forget, now I granted a mechila. Mechila is really for yourself. You're liberating yourself from the shackles of tainus and anger and, and, and machlekes. There's nothing more detrimental to the human spirit than to be angry with somebody else. And when you forgive and forget, and when you're mechaim this mitzvah of shikha, you have liberated yourself. You've, you've unchained yourself from all the troubles that you are living with. Yerushalayim Freifeld was a tremendous Adam Gadol. He was Rashiva of Sharyashiv. He was a Talmud of Rav Hutner, and he was a brilliant Mechanev. If anyone is interested in, in the field of Chinuch or Rabbanus or Kirov, I suggest, maybe in the summer, and I've told this to many people and they've thanked me for it, to buy a, a book. It's called Rav Shlema, and it's a biography written about Rav Shlema Freifeld. It's the greatest biography perhaps ever written about a Gadol, and you get, it's not a, you get so much, so much out of it. So much Chachma and Pikrus and and understanding and how to love another Jew, how to be makar of another Jew, how to teach another Jew. So in that book, actually it's not in that book, it's in a different book that brings the story about Rosh Hashanah. I don't think it's actually in that book. 
But here's a, an amazing story about Refreifel. There's a couple, a young couple, who lived in Farakaway area, and they, they davened by Refreifel. They were in his gala. And they made an extension to their house. They, they redid their house a little bit, and they had an extra guest room. Somebody came over to this couple and told them that there is a young girl who is sort of like from a, in a foster home, and she had a very checkered past, and her parents uh, put her up for adoption, and she, uh, she struggled with, with, certain, with certain demons that she had. But she really wants to be from, and he feels this person that if she would be in the right home, in a nice, warm Jewish home, she could become like a real Bas Yisrael. She could be Tzniyastik, and she could be from, and have Yerushalayim, and David, and, and you could really change the entire course of this young woman's life. So they thought about it, and they said, you know, we have this extra room in our house. We just redid it, Baruch Hashem, and uh, we're not really using it right now. It's not a bad idea. We'll, we'll try it out. So they invited this girl in, and you know she came, and uh, she was a little rough around the edges at first. And then, over the course of a few weeks, months, she began to really, you know, get into the warmth of the home and the community and the schools that she went to, and she was really changing. And they felt very good about it. This young couple. The one day, this mother, the, the, the wife, she was uh, Arab Shabbos, like today. She had a minute that she would put some money in, in the pushka, which was in, in, her, um, in her cabinet. She had a whole bunch of those you know, cardboard round pushkas, and she was about to put money in tzedakah before she lit candles. And she saw that all the pushkas there were missing. And she didn't understand what could have happened to it. She had different, you know, theories or whatever. But anyway, she didn't make much ado about it. And fine, she moved on. That summer, the, this young woman was going away to camp for a few weeks. And she said goodbye. And, you know, she was looking forward to coming back. Anyway, the, the, the couple who owned the house were very mocked, but never to go into her room. That's her room. That's her you know, her, her special place, and they didn't want to go in. But after a couple of weeks when she was away, there was like a terrible odor that was coming out of her room. They didn't know what it was. And after deliberating back and forth, should we go into her room, should we not, they said, all right, let's go into her room just to see what's going on in there. They go into the room, and first of all, it was a churva. The whole room was like in complete disarray. It was like it showed like a scattered mind, like this room. It was, uh, you know, the, the beds were not made and the, you know, and there's clothes on the floor and they found that she had a, a, like a bologna sandwich that was, you know, with a few bites in it that were left, that was left and that's how, um, that, that was the smell that was coming out of the room. Um, but then they noticed that in a corner of the room there were these pushkas that were ripped open, these cardboard pushkas, completely ripped into two with change on the floor and they, they understood clearly this girl you know, needed money for maybe for drugs or whatever it was 
even though she got an allowance, she needed more. And she took the pushkas, she ripped them open, and she basically stole the money. And they realized that whatever she was seeming to be, it was sort of a facade. Like, she wasn't completely teichagabarai. Clearly, she still, we thought that the issues were, were gone, but they clearly are not gone. And now we have a girl living in our house that steals from us and that does who knows what else. And perhaps she's not the best person to be boarding by us. And they weren't sure. They went to Refreifeld. And Refreifeld said, after listening to the whole thing and thinking about it, he said, I suggest one thing to you. Forget about it. Forget about it. He said, if you do something, let's say she comes back home and then you, you, know, you, you, you tell her, you confront her about this. She's at a very, very fragile stage in life and she's probably just going to be so embarrassed she won't be able to live by you. She's going to leave, go off the derech and you'll never hear from her again. He said, where did I get this Eitzah from? I got it from my Rosh Hashiva of Hutner. He said, when I was a teenager in Chaim Berlin, my mother gave me a special birthday present. She gave me a beautiful wallet, and on the wallet was my initials, SF, Schlemmer Freifeld. And I used to love this wallet, this wallet I kept in my pocket and my money, my credit card, whatever it is, I, this, I cherished this wallet. I used to keep the wallet in my jacket pocket, and when I went into base matters to learn, I would hang up my jacket in the yeshiva coat room. It says, one day I came out of Seder, I put my jacket on, and I was... You know, like the Gemara says in Elam Metzias, that Adam, Adam, Shamesh, Bekisai, Bechoshah, right? You keep on uh, checking to see if your, to see if your, if your wallet is there. And sure enough, my wallet was gone. So I was very depressed, very upset that somebody would steal my wallet. I didn't know, you know, if I left it somewhere. After a while, I realized somebody must have stolen it. But I forgot about it. Two years later, I went to the coat room and I was hanging up my jacket to go into the Vesmetish for Seder and I noticed that sticking out of another boy's jacket was my wallet. I saw SF on the top. That's a real simon, right? And I saw it on the wallet and it was, uh, and uh, I couldn't believe it that after all these years my wallet was still here and somebody had stolen my wallet. So what I did was I waited around in the coat room to see who would come in and take that jacket. And a few minutes later, sure enough, there was a boy that came in from yeshiva. He was a bacha that had a lot of issues. And he came and he took, he, he took the jacket and I didn't know what to do. On one hand, I mamish wanted to like really confront him and get my wallet back. It was my wallet. It had money in it. And it, was, it was from my mother and very dear to me. But I didn't know what to do. So I didn't do anything. I went straight up to Rashiva's office, to Rabotner, and I told him the story, and I told him which buffer it was, and I asked him what I should do. So Rav Huttner said, if you take my advice, I know that you want your wallet back, but if you take my advice, I would advise you to forget about it. Forget about it. He says, if you confront him, you'll embarrass him. He's at a crossroads in life. He'll go either way. If you embarrass him, he won't be able to come to Yeshiva anymore. Everybody will know, or in his mind, everybody will think of him as a Ghanif. He will never come back. We will lose him from Klai Yisrael forever. 
Rav Freifeld told this couple that I didn't say a word as hard as it was. I forgot about the whole thing. And this Bacher ended up staying in yeshiva. He ended up becoming a very, you know, accomplished Ben Torah, Talmud Chacham. He got married. He started a beautiful family. All because I forgot about it. Because I was Mekayim the Mitzvah of Shikha. And he says, I advise you as well to forget what you saw. If you forget about it and you continue to raise this young woman, then hopefully she will develop into a Bas Yisrael, she'll get married to a Ben Tyra, she'll raise a beautiful family, but if you don't, everything is liable to happen. This whole house of cards will collapse and we'll never hear from her again. And exactly as Refraifeld told them, that's what happened. They forgot about it and they continued to raise it. They never mentioned the word about the pushkas, about anything. And in the end, she ended up getting from her and more Yerushamayim, and she really became a wonderful person. And she got married, and she had a beautiful family, and she continues to be a very chashiva person. All because of the mitzvah of shikha. All because sometimes when you're able to forget about things, that's the biggest bracha. There's one other frontier of shikha, which is very important to talk about, and that is to forget about things that we ourselves have done. Now, the first part of that equation is that the good things that we do, sometimes we should forget about. That's a surprising one, right? You think, well, if I do good, that's a good thing. And you should remember when you do good things, but you shouldn't brag about it. If I do a mitzvah, the best thing to do is to keep it to myself. I know that I don't like it when people tell me, oh, this summer I made a you know, big siyam above a basar, above a mitzvah, above a kat. Like, you know, it, it's good, but like, you, you, know, you don't have to auto- automatically like, tell everybody what you're doing or how great you are and all your accomplishments and how you did this chesed and this sabaki, you started this organization. You know, sometimes it's much better to forget about the things that even you do right because when you do that, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyachal remembers what you do. Rav Gedalia Shar was one of the great Rashivas in America. Rav Aaron Cutler said about Rav Gedalia Shar that he was the first American Gadol. What does that mean? First of all, he wasn't born in America. People think that Rabbi Yashar was born in America. He actually was born in Poland, but he came over at a very early age to America, and he was uh, basically mechunach uh, in, in yeshiva, and I think in Tervedas, and he caught the eye of Rabbi Shagatai. Rabbi Shagatai saw his brilliance. Rameir Shapiro, who came to America, by the way, met a young Gedalia Yashar and said that he has the most brilliant mind that he's ever met of his age. And Rabbi Shagafaival hired him to be Rosh Hashiva of Tarvadas. At the age of 21, he was giving a top-level shear in Tarvadas, which is, which is pretty impressive. And we have Esvaram Argadal Yahu, um, amazing Tyra, amazing Machshava. During the war years, Rabbi Gedal Yashar was one of the heroes in America, in terms of trying desperately to save any remnant of Klai Yisrael that were somewhat savable in Europe. 
You know, in America, people were very, very quiet during the war. They didn't want to rock the boat. And, um, you know, many people, including the great, you know, quote-unquote leaders of, you know, the American Jewish leaders, they were very silent. They didn't, they didn't really necessarily say anything to the president or, you know, and, and it's a terrible, terrible blight on the, on, the, on, the, on the history of American Jewry that most people were very quiet and didn't make a macha, didn't protest all the atrocities that we knew were happening at some point in Europe. That millions of Jews were being killed every single year, al-Kiddush Hashem, you know, every day by the thousands. But there were some heroes even during that very dark period and one of the great heroes was of Gedalia Sharhim, together with Rebelli Melech, Mike Tress, another great biography, if you're interested in reading another biography this summer, they called him Mike by Arts Girl, unbelievable, life-changing biography about this individual, Mike Tress, a balabas. He was not a big rob or a shiva. He was just a, a balabas that had a heart of gold, and he built a lot of the terror that we have in America is really the result of his, of his efforts, but him together, the Gedalia Shar, together they tirelessly went and tried to lobby politicians, senators, congressmen, the president, anyone that would listen to them. They would go on Shabbos, on Yantif, to, you know, on the trains to Washington. If they had the chance of meeting with somebody that might be able to do something, they raised crazy amounts of money by appeals on Shabbos, desperate appeals from people to give any money that they could to, so that they could bribe Nazis to get Jews out. After the war, they sent packages by the thousands to the DP camps with, with sidurim, with fillin, with, with whatever they needed, food, matzahs. Amazing heroes that these people were during the war years. And naturally... The children of Rukhdal Yashar, maybe the grandchildren, wanted to hear, and the Talmidim wanted to hear stories. Don't, you know, children always want to hear the war stories. Like, tell us what happened during the war. We heard amazing things that you did. Tell us about it. And so normally a father or grandfather would, you know, sit the kids around and say, okay, well, I did this, and then this happened, and I met this president and that senator, and, and we were able to accomplish this and that. You know, you want people to know what you did. That's human. Rabbi Gedalia Shar did not. He said that the Rishoner, the Holy Rishoner, used to say, one of the great Hasidic Rebbes, that we say on Rosh Hashanah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Zeicher Nishkaches. He remembers the forgotten. I guess it's in the bracha of, of, of Zechreinus that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers and we say the, you know, the Tem Sukkim from Tanakh about all of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's remembering us. And as part of that feel, we say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you are Zeicher Nishkachos. You remember the forgotten. And, and the simple understanding of that is that what we forget, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, remembers. We, we did an Avera back in, uh, you know, whatever, in, in, in uh, you know, Purim time. We long forgot that we did that Avera in, in, in Adar. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu will remember that. So don't think just because you forgot... HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgets. HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers everything that's forgotten. So the original used to say, homiletically, an amazing part. He said, you know what it means also that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Zeich and Nishkafes? He says, the things that we forget about, HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers. 
and the things that we remember, HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgets about. Which means that if we constantly brag about all of our great accomplishments, I gave this much money to tzedakah, and I, and I, and I, I learned this amount, and I made this amount of siyumim, and I, and I helped this person, I did that, and this, and you know, all of that, you're, you're busy remembering? HaKadosh Baruch says, okay, he's so busy remembering, I could forget it. But the things that I forget about, if I like do something good and I just immediately like, okay, let's move on. Let's not rest on our laurels now. We made that seam. Let's go weiter. We hazard this amount. Let's go. Let's just keep moving. Just forget about what we did and don't rest on your laurels. Keep going. Don't say, don't brag, don't spread. The nishkach is the fact that we forgot about things makes HaKadosh Baruch Hu want to remember it. He's the zeicher ha he remembers the things that we forget about, the things that we don't constantly take credit for. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves that. So sometimes we have to forget, not to, obviously we should feel good inside that we did good things, that's amazing. But don't brag about it. Don't say to everybody, forget about it. And when you forget about it, that makes you a much greater person. It means that you're, you're always hungry to do more because you don't rest on your laurels. You don't say, well, I learned enough because you know I made this and this, I learned this and this amount, it's enough. I gave millions of dollars to Tzedakah. It's enough. If you always forget what you've done, now you're, you know, you're always fresh and ready to do more. That's also a mitzvah of shikha. To forget about what you've done. That's in a positive way. But even more important than that, Rabbi Say, is to forget what you've done in a bad way. And this is probably the most important thing to gain from what we're saying today. You know, we all are human. And we all, as human beings, we, we make mistakes. We make mistakes. When we make mistakes and we do our virus, we're not proud of it, and we shouldn't be. It's, it's not a good thing. But if we're constantly harping on what we've done wrong, we'll never be able to really grow. There is a time for harata, and you know I'm not at all undermining all the dinam of tshuva. Obviously, you know you need harata, you need aziva sachet, you need to be misvade. There is a, a time for that, but as soon as you do that, as soon as you say slachlanu and you mean it, and you really regret what you did, and I feel terrible, and you have that real, you know, that 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 feeling in your heart, like how did I do this, and I feel bad that I did that and I feel you know that I've, I've perhaps let HaKadosh Baruch Hu down and there's a time you did tshuva now you have to forget about what you did because if you keep on remembering what you did and you say oh, I'm such a Russia like I, how did I do that how was I thought I was a Bentaira everybody thinks I'm a Bentaira and yet I, I was able to be Nuchshol and that Avera awful I had a guy come over to me uh Recently, and he said that he was in Eretz Yisrael and he was learning, and he had a, a certain, you know, relationship there, and he did a terrible avera, and he can't get over it. He's not allowing himself to like live. He can't breathe. He can't like. He realizes that he did such a terrible thing that, you know, that that he, he's unforgivable. And I told him, No, you're not. That's that's apicursus. You're not unforgivable. Nobody's unforgivable. You did a terrible avera. You do tshuva for the Avera, 
and now you you basically dust yourself off. Hisnari me you 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 wash off the the grime and the dirt and you get up. And you learn from your mistakes. And now you are resilient and you forget about what you did. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us the blessing and the mitzvah of shikha. You have to forget. There comes a point in your life you have to say, high school, I did terrible things, fine. But it's over. High school is over. Eretz Yisrael, whatever I did, Lugnai, over. It's behind me. I'm not going to be that. Or last night, I did something terrible last night. Fine. It's over. You do tshuva and you forget about it. The Svarim HaKadoshim say, the Hasidish Svarim in particular, that if you continue thinking about, even on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, he says, I think it was one of the Ger Rebbes, on Yom Kippur itself, he says, you know, some people, they're like clapping al and and, uh, you know, and, and all the viduyim, and they're thinking about, uh, you know, all the things that they did. He says, that's a terrible thing. He says, because when you, what happens? You're clapping al you know, with a certain avera. Whatever the thing is that you're, you're being, what, do you, what happens? On Yom Kippur itself, in your, in your Kitzel and your Talas, you start thinking about what? The Avera itself. You think about the things that you watched during the year, the things that you read, the things that you, you know. And now on Yom Kippur, you're basically bringing up, you're conjuring up all the images and the memories of those terrible things. He says, that's not good. So you want to basically have a pinch of harata and vida and, and aziva sachet and move on. But stop remembering what you did. There comes a point in life you have to stop saying, I'm a terrible person. I, I don't know, you know how I could be considered a ben because I did X, Y, and Z. Avera, and, and, and that's unforg- it's not unforgivable. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with his great Rachmanis, says that there is a mitzvah of tshuva, there's a mitzvah of shikha. You do tshuva and then you forget about it. Anything that you could take that will be helpful going forward. If you know obviously that you were nichshul because you uh, you know you you didn't have uh, you know the proper miskaret, so you get the proper miskaret and and obviously you learn from your mistakes. Rav Hutner has a famous letter and he says a pshat and a pasuk sheva yipol tzadik become a pasuk in in Mishle, that a tzadik falls seven times. They come and he gets up. So he says, the people that don't understand how to learn a Pasuk in Tanakh, they learn, they understand that what this means is that a tzaddik is so resilient. He falls down seven times and he still is able to get up. He says, but that's not the Pshat in the Pasuk. He says, the, the wise people know that you read the Pasuk this way. Sheva yipal tzaddik the come. The tzaddik's kima, the, the, the steiging of a tzaddik, the way that he's elevated, the way he actually grows, is through the Sheva Nephilis. If I would never stumble, I would never grow. If I never had a failure, I would never know how to succeed. Failures very often are the seeds of growth. When a person fails... You learn, wow, I can't do it this way. That's how, you know, companies deal with this, armies deal with this. You know how, you know what they learn in, uh, in West Point? If anyone, you know, is driving up to the Catskill, there's a place called West Point, right by, you know, at the beginning of the 17, at the end of the Palisade Parkway. You can go there. 
It's beautiful, you know, nice place. You can have a picnic. You can throw a frisbee around. It's a beautiful, beautiful campus. West Point is like the Harvard for, for army officers. If you want to be like a Spitz, you know, general, lieutenant, I don't know, whatever it is, you go up to West Point. Is like, that's, that's like the Panovich of, uh, for the army. So what do you think they learn there all day? They learn Shver Rambam's in West Point. What are they studying there? What are they doing? You know what they're learning? They're studying military failures. They want to know why in Vietnam did we get, you know, mired down in the, in the quagmire of Vietnam. And they study every single battle. And they might go back to the Civil War and the, the Revolutionary War. And they learn the successes of the uh, Iraq War and the uh, Persian Gulf War and the Afghanistan War. What we do right, what we do wrong. And by learning your mistakes, by studying your mistakes, that's how you know, ah, next time we have to do it different. We didn't have enough soldiers there. We didn't plan it out right. We didn't have enough provisions. We should have brought in this type of tank instead of that type of tank. We should have first bombed, you know, the area. We didn't bomb enough, and that's why this happened and that happened. That's what you have to learn. You learn from your mistakes. If everything, if every time I, I, I fight a battle, I win, I don't even know how to fight a battle. I don't know how to fight a difficult battle because it's, uh, you know, I'm just used to winning. I don't know how to lose. When you lose, that's when you grow. You learn a lot from your losses, much more than your gains. How many times, you know, you read articles about people that were successful in business? Whoever it was, you know, you pick it. It doesn't matter. There are people that, you know, we know today as being like these, you know, very big successes, whether they were inventors, you know, Thomas Edison, or whether they were, uh, uh, you know, big uh, corporate, you know, uh, tycoons, Big Rosh Shiva Slahabdil, whatever it is, if you, if, you, if you speak to any of them or you read about any of their lives, you'll discover that before they were successful, they failed many times in terrible ways. But those failures taught them how to succeed. They, weren't, they didn't look at failure as being a fatal blow. They looked at failure as being a, a life lesson and how not to act so that next time when I do it, the next time I'm going to do it better and, and different and right. And that's how you are able to actually become successful in life, by studying failures. Sheva Yipol Tzadik becomes, as Rufatner means, that the kima of Tzadik, you know how Tzadik became a Tzadik? Not by being perfect. If a Tzadik is perfect, if you, you know, if he was born perfect and he was never had any any, any taivas, never Yitzhahara, never any fallings, never any traps, never... So then he's not, you know, he's not... He might be a tzaddik, but he's not a relatable tzaddik. Not a, he's a malach. It doesn't, I can't relate to a malach. A lot of people don't like reading art school biographies, these Gedalian books, because it's just depression. That's why the books that I'm telling you about are, are books that I think we can relate to more. Read, they call them Mike and or Shlema, whatever, a number of biographies. Um, unbelievable, because these are people I can relate to. They're not, uh, they weren't Kaddish Meirachem, and the, the, by the way, the Gedalim were not. The Arts Girl, you know, and, and all the other publishers, they, and they have a reason for it. I'm not, I'm not one of these guys that knock it and, you know, I want to see a, you know, uh, you know, a completely um, uh, unauthorized biography of a Gadol. Let, let's bring, let's hear all the bad stuff of Gadol. That's not a good thing either. But you should know that every Gadol had their Yetzirahs and they had their stumbles, they had their challenges, and what made them a gadol, and this is what Rav writes in the letter, it's not my own chidushim, is that they, when they stumbled, 
they learn from their mistakes and they steig from their mistakes. If you're going to go through life regretting, angry with yourself, looking in the mirror and saying, boy, you are a big failure. You, how did, how did, you're a Ben Thayra. How did you do, how did you do that even? You think everyone, anyone else in the base medicine, in my Chashavah Chabura does that? You're the only guy that did that. And, you, and the Eitzahara wants you to continuously remember all the things that you did bad. With your eyes, with your ears, with this, with that, you know, everything. You know, every, I, can't, I can't live. The Torah says, I want you to forget. There's a mitzvah of shikha. There's a letter from Revolvi. If you want a litvisha, you know, if I, you don't like the Hasidish, you know, Maramakim, that doesn't do it for you. You like litvish. So there's an amazing letter from Revolvi. And he says that, you know, sometimes we read Svarim and, you know, the Svarim write about certain terrible Averis and it's, uh, you know, without getting into any graphic details, but it's like terrible and it's, you, you know, it's like Shvich uh, and, you know, you, you're not getting into it. It's all Gehenna, you know, you have all these things. Revolvi said, I have a Kabbalah from the Chazayn Ish that you do tshuva for it and it's forgotten. Even the worst Averis that you know that you look at as you get older, you look and say, "Oh my gosh! Like, what am I going to do? Like this, I, I, you know, how do I live after this? I, I was nuchshal in this Avera hundred times." You do tshuva and you move on. You forget about it, and and there's no din. If you do tshuva and then you forget about it, and you learn Tyre says besimcha, it's all forgotten. This is money in the bank. This is the chazanish. You take that letter, you, you know, you shrink it down on the, on the photocopy machine, you put it in your wallet, and then you ask them to keep that in your grave when you're... You have a passport right in Thailand Habo. They're going to say, well, you did... You know, when you were in high school, you did... No, no, no. I, 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 I did shuv on that. I forgot about it. I learned Tyre with a geschmack. The Chazanish says, I'm allowed in. That's shikha. That's the mitzvah of shikha. Sometimes the greatest mitzvah that you could do... Ben Adam Lamakim, Ben Adam Lachaberai, Ben Adam Laatzmai is this amazing ability to forget. Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave us a zikaron, which is very important to learn and to remember things, to remember, you know, what other people did nice to us, and to always be grateful, never to be ingrateful, and to forget. Well, you know, my parents they didn't allow me shana shana dal and eretz yisrael, so I throw them under the bus. What do you mean? They, they raised you, they fed you, they, they, they put a roof over there, they sent you to elementary school, to high school, to summer camp, to Eretz for two years, for three, you know, now you're having kindness, you forgot about everything else, everything is gone, because you didn't get exactly perfect what you wanted, a chutzpah. So there are times you have to remember. Zikaran is a very important tool, but sometimes shikha is even more important. To forget about things that other people have done to me in a bad way, to forget about the good stuff that I did, stop bragging about it, nobody wants to hear all of your successes. And finally, and the most important thing is, to forget about the Averis that you did. You do tshuva, your makabal al-asr, that I'm going to try my best not to repeat them. I'm going to learn Taira b'simcha, and with all my kaiches, I'm going to put my ramachay varm shasagidim into learning Tyra, into living Tyra. But then forget about it. 
Stop haunting yourself with all these nightmarish memories of the things that you did and the Averis and what you did and with this and that and here and there. And no one, forget about it. Just stop. Because you're not accomplishing anything. You're just pulling yourself into the shoyal hatachis. You're never going to be able to grow and to attain your personal godless if you keep on demonizing yourself for things that you did in the past, even if it's in the recent past. And once you unshackle yourself from the chains of your own Averis, that's when you begin to soar in Tyre and Yerushalayim and Kedusha. The Yitzhahara is so brilliant. He wants us so badly to remember how, how, how weak we are and how susceptible to Avera we are. And then he makes us think that it's not possible to, for us to attain any form of godless because, you know, we're not, we'll never be the Chavitz Chaim, we'll never be Chaim Kanievsky, we'll never be, we can't, we're not, it's a different league, we're, we're not, we're not there, we're, we're like regular, you know, people that are so, well, guess what? We're human beings, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us, Yada Yitzreinu, he made the Eight Sahara in us, he understood that we will sometimes be weak, and that we are never going to be perfect. A few people in the history of the world didn't have Averis, but the vast, vast, vast majority of people did and do. Don't let the Sahara suddenly give you a good memory. When it comes to Tyra, I can't remember. I learned the Tysis today. The Sahara, boom, like the next day I can't remember a thing about that Tysis. All of a sudden, I get a great, I become a photograph, I become the Raghacha, I have a photographic memory, you know, when it comes to my Averis. I can remember every single Avera that I ever did, did throughout my life. It's amazing, right? It should be the opposite. We should forget about all of our Averis after we did Shuva and remember what we learned. Chazer, make sure to Chazer again and again and again until we mamish have a klar. Don't let the Yitzhahara mix everything up. Make our memory so strong when it should be weak and our forgetfulness so strong when it should be, when it should be, when, when it should be weak. This is a very important shmuz about the, the myth of shikha. It applies in the farm, but it more, much more importantly applies in the, in the everyday halach yelach of our lives. And the more that we're able, in the right time, to pull out the shikha mitzvah and to strengthen our ability to forget, the happier our lives will be, the more successful people we will be. And in mitzvah Hashem, we should be zeicha to all the brachas that the Torah gives us for keeping its mitzvahs. Have a good Shabbos.